0: Welcome to today's episode of the Baco Sports Report on the Live from Lake Balfour Podcast Network. We are back from our three-day senior trip hiatus with an action-packed episode. So much to get to on today's show. We're going to be talking about Jacob's Cup, where Baco suffered a loss, but overall a successful trip even though it was a really tight game. So we'll have Danny Silver, the head coach, on to talk about that game. Plus, we're getting to senior leagues. A terrific day of Senior League's action. happened all day long. So many storylines. We'll do some power rankings of all the teams in the league. We'll break it down with Ethan Lairfeld. So much to get to on today's episode of the Baco Sports Report. All right, and I'm here now with Ethan Lairfeld, Danny Silver. So, Danny, you're now four days removed from Jacob's Cup. So, now you take a step back. Obviously, Baco goes out. They play one game. And it was a really tight game all the way through. They're really competitive. Obviously, it's an intimidating environment. You've got 400 people watching at the Timber Dome. Really competitive game. Baco has a really good shot to win it. They come from behind in the game. Chuck Far nails it deep through. Six, six seconds to go to take a one-point lead. Then the other team goes down. They hit the shot that wins them the game. It was actually a tip-in layup at the buzzer, off the missed shot. So you're now four days removed from the game. How are you feeling about it looking back?
1: Well,
2: first off, Maddie and Lairfeld, I just want to say how awesome this podcast has been for camp and for the program and just for everyone. I know generations of Baco alumni Mm -hmm. that go out of their way to make sure that they listen. So I want to thank you first for bringing this to so many people around. Um, As far as Jacob's Cup goes, although the loss hurt, I think – and although we only got one game and I think the entire experience was such a such a great thing for our guys. I think going last year with a lot of the same group really helped. Um, I think that competing against other camps lifts us to, I won't say a higher level, but to a, a different kind of level of basketball, and I think we showed very well for ourselves. The last seven seconds did not go our way, which, you know, I know a lot's been talked about whether the shot got off on time or whatever, um, and it was a controversial ending. But when it all comes down to it, we had control of our own fate. Um, we played well. I think we could have played better. But, uh, you know, in in the end, we lost to a very good team. The ball did not bounce our way. I know it sounds like a cliche, but, you know, we there was a lucky rebound that didn't touch the rim that dropped right in their lap. And, uh, you know, I, I think the best thing about it is, Not just the experience. I think it was a learning experience for a lot of our guys. Um, A positive being that I think we probably impressed ourselves. Um, You know, there was a few moments during the game where it looked like, you know, we might not be able to contend with Kutcher's. But um, you know, I think we learned some positives about ourselves. But also, you know, winning is something you got to go out and get. It's not something that's handed to you. And sometimes you got to be better than what you think you got to be to get the win. So. Um, You know the last seven seconds, we didn't leave ourselves enough room for error, and uh, you know it it didn't go our way. But overall, great experience. I think we represented Baco Baco basketball, but most importantly, Baco well in front of fifteen other camps. And uh, I'm proud of the guys, and I'm
1: proud of the group. Yeah. So you talked about things that you said. Um, uh, we played well, but we could have done better. Um, obviously the last seven seconds, you know, boxing out. But what else in the game do you think you could have done better? Um,
2: when you look back at the whole game, uh, you know, going down 9 nothing obviously didn't help us. I think that those first four or five minutes, uh, we didn't have our matchups right. This is probably my fault. I, you know, we knew, knew nothing about our opponent. Um, all, all we could really go on is what we saw in warm-ups, where when we're playing these other camps that we see from year to year, we know, you know, Evan's going to guard this guy, Aiden's going to guard that guy. We didn't have that luxury. So it took us about five minutes to figure it out. Um, and we were really off on the first five minutes. So my gauging of who should guard who in warmups was, I think maybe I got two out of the five right. Um, yeah. So going down 9 nothing, we, we also shot ourselves in the foot with you know, poor, uh, poor shot selection. But also, you know, we've shot free throws better. Um, and in a game like that, you know, you miss a bunch of free throws. I don't think we shot them super poorly, but, um, you know, we, we miss more than we usually do, obviously, in a game like that. It comes down to a couple points, that stuff matters. And the boxing out thing, you could point to the last play, but we were having trouble boxing out all game. And when you're playing primarily man-to-man defense, that shouldn't really be an excuse. Um, So I think those are the three main areas, just the slow start with the matchups, the free throws, and just controlling the defensive glass.
0: Yeah, so you, as you mentioned before, you said that you don't obviously know your opponent going into the game, It's very different than when you play Brant Lake, you see them every year, you play Apple Lake. And you obviously know those opponents so much better. And I think that's also true with the environment too, right? Because you're used to, you know, like, you're either playing 12s or 14s. You're playing a big out front of all the campers on the hill here. You go to Brant Lake for 13s. You know, you're going to have the toilet paper. You're going to have the whole camp surrounding watching. You go to Echo, you know, not going to be much of a crowd. Like, you're used to, you know, the usual suspects. And then you go to a place like Timberlake to play in a 16-team tournament. And you have all these people watching. You're playing in front of a huge crowd. You're playing with a lot of pressure. What's the atmosphere like? Like, What's going through your mind when you had so many people there on the game? And how do you think that your players reacted to that? And do you think that last year helped with that, too?
2: Uh, I will, To answer your last question, last year definitely helped, I think, just seeing the scene and knowing what to expect. Even, like, little things like... It might sound crazy, but it's knowing when to eat lunch, where where to eat lunch, knowing where to go to the bathroom, that type of stuff you you don't think about it. But on, on a trip like that, being as ready to play as you possibly can, I think being there before definitely helped. As far as handling the environment, um, you know, we have good basketball players on on our team that you know a lot of them play high school basketball and have played in front of crowds before. Um, and honestly, once we got in the flow, it was just basketball. I I I never thought the crowd was gonna negatively affect us. I, I It definitely positively affected us. Yeah, they us. were
0: cheering for Baco because they want to see an
2: upset. Yeah, I don't even think it was that they were cheering for us. I just think like the environment probably got our legs going a little yeah. bit when, when the rain came and we moved from outdoors to indoors about five, six minutes into the game. Um, and you know, the crowd packed into the Timber Dome. I, I think that gave us a little extra life. I think we started out flat when we played outside. Um, not that playing outside is an excuse, but you know I think we needed a little change of scenery in addition to getting our matchups right. So I think that the the environment was a, only a positive. I think it. I think for one, I think Evan. I think I. I feel Evan wanted to prove himself on a bigger stage, and I, I think the crowd probably pushed him to push himself a little bit more um, and show kind of the other camps what he was all about. And the other guys. I feel like they their, their effort level, I never questioned it and I don't think the crowd really was that much of a factor um, in a negative way. I think it actually made us play better.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, so to get to the actual game when you get there towards the end... You know, you have a bank three that goes in. So for contests, for the audience who obviously didn't get to see the game, Baker was down for a lot of the game. They're really coming back. You guys are down 49-43 with just a couple minutes to go. So what's your mindset when you're down like that? And then you guys come back. You hit a couple of big shots. Rab hit a shot in there. And then Chuck hits the three that was, I mean, just saying, to just put it in the real words, it was just a wet three. He pulls up <laughs> from the left side, and he just absolutely nailed it. Um, and you guys go up one, everyone's going bonkers, the atmosphere is crazy. So what's going through your mind when you finally complete that comeback and go Uh, up
2: When Chuck's three went in, my first thought was do not foul. (laughs)
0: Because
2: we had fouled, uh, you know, we had wanted to put them on the line uh, to stop the clock and to get the ball back for I think the two previous possessions. And when Chuck's three went in to put us up one, I knew we were up one. I knew a few guys on the floor knew knew we were up one, but I couldn't be one hundred percent sure that every guy knew exactly yeah. what the circumstance was. So my first thought when that went in was, "Don't foul," because because we had just complete you know we had just climbed the mountain to complete this comeback. Um, and to our credit, we knew exactly the situation. We celebrated the three, but within half a second, we were all in a defensive stance, ready to play, and then they called the timeout. Um, Throughout the whole comeback though, you know when when that when you're down by nine or eight or whatever it was with three or four minutes, you gotta look look at it in small little things. you know you gotta get a, a, a hoop and a stop and you know stop the clock and get the shot that you want. you know there's no grand slam home run, there's no nine point shot. Um, so it was baby steps and I think it wasn't until Rabs three that put us down two that I really felt like. Kutcher's was in trouble, um, and we had switched from a zone press to a man press the last three minutes, which changed the look, and I, you know, it sped them up, and it got, you know, us a few extra possessions, and when uh, Leo hit Chuck in the corner for the three, and it went down, first of all, that's stuff that we practice all the time, it, it was, you know, just pushing it up, and finding the next pass, and Chuck stepping in with no hesitation, we've drilled it so many times, there was, that's where I mean where the crowd doesn't affect yeah, us, because, right. It, it's muscle memory at, at, at that point. Like I said, we have good basketball players on our team. Um, Leo just felt the the defender step up towards him. He made the extra pass. Chuck stepped in, no hesitation. The ball goes through the hoop. And, you know, when that ball went through, through the hoop, I did have a moment of, okay, we have a bank three. We have this work out for us. There was a moment there that I felt like, you know, there was some – some divine intervention on on our side at at, at that point because we've worked so hard, and sometimes when you work that hard, you feel that you know you get some you, you know just you deserve it, and I felt that we deserved it, but you can't take away from Kutcher's they're fifteen sixteen year old kids just like us, and they wanted to win also, and you know they made the last play, and they made plays throughout the game, and they had good players on their team too um, and you know what it, we, losing obviously hurts, but the way it happened obviously made it sting more, but I, I think we represented well. And as heartbreaking as it was, I don't think we, as upset as we were, I, I don't think we showed anything poor to represent the camp or, or or ourselves. I think we took the loss, and deep down we know we could have won, and, you know, we find out that they lose to Wani in the finals. And we know what could have been, and, hey, that's a life lesson. You know, that's a, that's the beauty of sports. You know, you make mistakes, you learn from them. And in the end, all we did was lose a basketball game. But we had a great time. You know, we had, it, it, it was a great trip. You know, the bus ride, it's long, but, you know, hanging out with your friends. And, you know, th- th- this is what the summer is about. So, you know, these guys worked hard and they got right there. They have memories to talk about for the rest of their lives. But, you know, we left a couple plays on on the table
1: and Kutcher's, you know, made, made the last play. So. Yeah, so you talked about fouls, and I think Aiden fouled out late in the game, and he wasn't there for that final possession. Do you think that was really a definitely to you guys?
2: Definitely, I mean, Aiden's the best rebounder on on, on our team, maybe other than Evan. Um, you know, I I felt that in the last, you know, when Aiden fouled out, we were down two. I had wanted to put in a shooter for him at that time, um, so Ben was the obvious choice. Ben was the obvious choice. Um, Ben got a great rebound on the missed free throw. He boxed out the shooter. It was a long rebound. Ben made a great play, hit, hitting it up to Leo, who obviously hit it to Charlie. And when they called timeout, you know, obviously I thought about going bigger with either Josh Nadell or, you know, Jake Potters, I think would, would have been a great choice at that time. Jake had not been in the game yet, so my mind really wasn't there. You know, hindsight's all, all, always 20-20. But you know what? The group that got us the last rebound I went with, um, you know, and I also felt like, you know, there were some guys that made plays that deserved a chance to, you know, be there in in, in the end. And to be honest, I've watched, I've rewatched the play about 150 times. I think a lot of guys on our team are getting beat for that rebound. And, you know, you could second-guess yourself all you, all you want. You know, do you go big? Do you go small? Who knows? Maybe I went big and there was a driving kick and we didn't have the speed – to close out, you never know what's gonna happen. It was a perfect miss. I've even convinced myself that they missed it on purpose, which they probably didn't, but, I mean, we're talking this thing grazed the to the right of the rim just backboard, and landed right in the guy's hands. And we were a little late on, on the box out, but there was an attempt, and this guy, you know, he flung it up there kind of in a panic, and it hit off the backboard and went in, and did he get it off on time? In real time, I, I thought he did, and I'm sticking to that story, and like I said, we, you can't pin it on one play, um, so you know we miss free throws. We went down nine nothing. So to put it on one play, and you know that's you know that's not that's not the way basketball works.
0: All right. So let's go bigger picture here okay. for a minute. So you guys obviously you lose this really tight game, and that stings a lot in the moment. And as you alluded to before, even though Baco loses this game, this still is really a great thing for Baco that we're able to make it to Jacobs Cup and be competitive there. And, as you also mentioned, Kutcher goes on to lose by six points to Wani in the finals of his tournament. So obviously, you guys were at the upper echelon of the teams here. You guys were in the top tier of the teams. And Beko, a lot of the other camps, they were like, oh, like, Beko, like, you know, someone said that they heard when Kutcher saw us and wore us there, you know, they were like, oh, like, we will blow these guys out by 45. Like, you would show up and, like, teams were like oh like
2: bacon yeah i I
0: now you guys prove yourself and obviously doesn't matter that much no but like do you feel like bacon basketball right now is in a good spot
2: definitely and i think i think a lot of it is owed to some of the younger counselors too that kind of put this whole thing in motion um just to pick up the level of play and obviously this year's waiters have you know had a good run these last couple years and the 15-year-olds that will be waiters next year is a very, very talented group that I know are very hungry to go back to Jacobs next year. Um, and the guys below them too, you know, they've won every basketball tournament yeah. that they've been in. So, you know, I've been obviously a camp for a long time and I've seen, you know, lots of different waves of success. And this group, you know, these few years of guys that we have right now are as good as we've had in a long time. And you know what, it's, it's great that we quote-unquote proved ourselves to these other, other camps. But I don't think Aiden Rabb and Evan Glass and Ben Cohen and Charlie Bookfar are are happy with that. I think those guys wanted to win. And we weren't there to make a name for ourselves. We were there to win. I think last year, you know, we had a team as good, if not better, than the one that we have now. And last year felt like, oh, you know, we made a name for ourselves. We played Wani tough, and they ended up winning it. This year it was about going in there and winning. Um, We knew when we looked around at the other teams that Kutcher's was probably one of the better teams there. But we also knew that we were as good, if not better, than them. So, um, yeah, it's good to make, you know, like you said, get the respect. Or, you know, you were you, you were alluding to that, get the respect of these other camps. But I think we're beyond that now. Um, I think next year's group will not be wide-eyed. You know, Josh Nadel will be his third Jacobs Cup if, if, if we go back. You know, so he's, he's been there. A lot of guys will be their second one. Um, you know, we're, we have bigger goals. You know, we want to... You know, we're obviously going to have a great experience, but, you know, I think we want to put some wins on, on, yeah. on the board, which is going to be hard because we're losing a lot of good players, and obviously Evan's one of the better players camp has had in a long time, and Aiden Rabb has put together, you know, a great camp career, and Ben and Chuck and, you know, you know Jake Potter's been a staple of the, of the program. So, I, I, yeah, you know, it felt good to earn the respect of all these camps that have never heard of us, but, you know, our, our goals were bigger. Our goals were bigger for sure.
1: Yeah, and, you know, obviously, you know, you going into that tournament, you know, people, uh, teams didn't really look at you uh, with a lot of respect, and you guys definitely did turn some heads, but ultimately the goal is winning. Do you think with, you know, future age groups you will have the opportunity to, to get more wins, to move to advance more in Jacob's Cup?
2: Well, as Bruno says when he talks about the Baco Tennis Tournament, sometimes it's the luck of the draw. Oh yeah,
1: Jacobs's. Yeah,
2: you know, for those that don't know, Jacobs Cup. It's you know, this year was 16 teams. You know, you choose out of, out of a hat who who you play. I drew number 11. We played uh, team number 12, which was Kutcher's. So, um, I think if we drew maybe 12 or 13 other numbers, we're winning our first game pretty handily. So, um, but you know, you, we do have a bright future, but. You know, Evan Glatzer's a really good basketball player. And without him on the court against Kutcher's, we probably would have been in a lot of trouble. If you replace him with any other guy on our team, um, you know, Evan just handles ball pressure without a problem. You never have to worry about getting the ball up the court. He guards the other team's best player. He's our leading rebounder. He's our best scorer. I can't count how many times we need – you know, he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well, but there were countless times where we needed a basket – And he went right to the basket and got to the free throw line. I think he shot 16 or 17 free throws or something like that. Um, You know, those guys don't grow on trees at Baco. So, you know, guys that are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", long and do it all. So replacing him and Rab, who does a little bit of everything, um, and Ben and Chuck, who are great shooters, great ball handlers, That you know, it's going to be easier said than done. We do have a bright future, but... Replacing that is going to be very difficult. Um, maybe the key to that is me just drawing a better number out of the hat <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah, so
0: so right. So, yeah, so overall obviously it's a tough loss for Baco, but really successful day there Definitely Baco was definitely one of the best teams there and that's good to see the Baco basketball program is thriving as much as ever So Danny thank you for your time.
2: Thank you guys. This has been great um, just want to give a shout-out to all uh, to all my bunkmates that I know are listening to this, all, all the guys, all the waiters in 97. So, anyway, thanks, guys. This is awesome for camp. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: All right, thank you. Thank you, Danny. All right, now we're going to be doing our Senior Basketball League segment. Uh, we're trying something out a little bit different this week. We're going to be doing this in our Power Rankings format. Yeah. So we will be doing Power <laughs> Rankings of the entire league, all eight teams in the league. Some teams have played three games so far. Some teams have played four Every team has at least one win, but some teams the talent level is clearly higher than others. There's been an interesting trade this week, which we'll get to as we go on through the Power Rankings format. So, Lerfeld, let's get started with our number eight team in the Power Rankings. Um, This is Leo Hoffman's team. Um, They've really struggled a bunch so far. They're coming on one and two on the season. but it's pretty. T- it's been pretty tough going for them. So I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, look, uh, Potter's. You know, who's the second guy on the team has struggled a fair ton. Um, definitely not as effective as years before. I still think he's, he's a big body. They suffered a Yeah, well, I think part of today. the problem
0: with a guy like potters is that he plays like a big. Obviously, he had puberty pretty early. He was, you know, used to be the biggest guy on the court out there. He used to out physical everyone, and now he's kind of, people have of sort of caught up to him. So he's still a big body, still a really physical presence. But some of that, you know, just pure strength has kind of gone away, and now his, you know, size isn't quite as the advantage it used to be. So I think that, and, you know, LSH. Leo, you know, he's been really good. he's you know, obviously a dynamic athlete. He's really explosive. Really good on defense. Offense, defense. I think this team really prides themselves defensively. Um, they have a really blue-collar team. They're kind of like the Bad Boy Pistons in a sense, where all the guys on the court from guys like Durds and Teddy, like, they really will just, they'll trash talk you, look at you, and that's was, definitely an advantage. It's really
1: a team built around rattling the other team, It is definitely. a team <laughs> built around <laughs> rattling
0: the other team, but I think they really just struggle offensively, which is why we have them coming in an eighth in the power rankings, and that's not to say that they can definitely... I don't think Upset. For them. I think that they can definitely pull up. upset. This is a pretty balanced league and that there's no team that's really – I mean, the fact that this team is eighth in Leo league really shows what a deep and balanced league this is. Yeah, de- because it's not as though this team is in a dire situation of any kind. It's just more that you know, they just struggle sometimes offensively. They don't really have the shooting. They don't really, outside of Leo, have really the quickness to match up with some of the top teams in the league. Yeah,
1: I definitely feel that they can win a game against Ben's team, JFD's team, and Noodle's team. I definitely feel that they could pull off a game against them. But I just think so far they haven't shown anything to show they aren't the eighth team. Yeah,
0: I would agree. It's not yeah. like
1: they're they're horrible or anything.
0: Right, and then um, Ben Cohen's team, I think we have them coming in on seventh of these power rankings.
1: Yeah, you know, Ben's team, they suffered, uh, I think, like an eight-point loss. They got off to yeah. a really good start. They were up 16 to 7. Miles was hitting a ton of threes. But I think, you know, that team is – I mean, the issue with them today, I, I feel like, was there weren't a lot of... You know, well, let's just say that the role players on that team really do need to step up. Um, I would agree. Splat had a lot of open looks inside, and he couldn't convert those. Bellinson isn't really that much yeah, of a scoring so I would say threat.
0: Bellinson, so Bellinson is their third-round pick. He's really a major impact defender. Uh, he really tries to get in the opponent's head. He's pride He's not a the terrible the offensive player, too, or a game man. He's threat. just a... You but, know, was, yeah, this team yeah. just struggles sometimes. I think the weaponry, on this team, obviously you have Ben, who can shoot the lights out of the ball. He's really a great offensive player. And Miles, he really has the technicality inside. He's really just a good finisher at the rim. But sometimes I think he struggles against kind of stronger, more physical players, and yeah. I think we saw a man with himself today.
1: I also think they've got to get in transition as much as possible because Ben is lethal in transition, and I yeah, think they're, they're the best when they're running the floor. And not trying to play typical yeah, Final definitely. Four ball where you take yeah, it up. Saying,
0: I mean, they won their game to open the season against Chuck's team before they really got their groove on. Um, and after that, they just struggled sometimes to get offense. I think it can get frustrating sometimes for a Ben to sometimes have to see the pieces around him struggle a bit. And I think that that can get into his head as well. But I think that this team definitely still has some hope. There's a lot of talent. Miles is a great player, he's only 14 years old. Um, and he's really a great player, so I think once he sort of gets more adjusted to play, being one of the starter players in senior leagues, I think that'll play yeah, well. Miles, I think Ben is at four threes
1: today. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so he you know, we saw some growth from today and I think Ben obviously we know what a great player he is. So again, like
1: it's really the on the role players, like yeah all all three or you know all three of them or uh, yeah you know they've all got to do good and they've also like miles didn't necessarily get a lot in the interior today he had some great three shots but you know when i look at a guy like miles which is that big he just needs to get in there and and get dirty i don't think miles always does that he's a phenomenal player but you know you've got to you first you've got to get inside and then you've got to convert when you get inside. Yeah, Miles is and a, a tall. Big issue. He's
0: a tall, lanky player, and sometimes they play with strength, as you said. He can stretch the floor with his amazing three-point shooting today. But sometimes they can also hurt him when he plays up against guys like Noodle, someone like that who's way bigger, more physical than him. Um, and then that brings us to our number six team on the rankings. This team is uh, Jaden danes team. They're actually two and one on the season, and Mickey is the coach of this team. So yes, they have a winning record, but. Those wins, bit close games, and sometimes they got a bit of a uh, they got a
1: bit of a what's the term like a, a heat check today definitely they uh, you know JFD was only held to somewhere around five points um, um what was I gonna say uh, Rabbi and Sheffin's team played a three two and they got it inside a bunch of times but failed to convert Danny Nap uh, Ben Summer played okay but Danny Knapp failed to convert a bunch of times inside yeah. Um, uh, uh, they really, you know, what was I going to say, Rabbi and seemed to push the ball against them. They were not that good in transition. You know, it, look, but I think it all comes down really to JFD. They tried They tried to put JFD, we We're. I mean, sorry, I'm on the team. <laughs> I don't want to mention that. Yeah. Um, Rabbi and Sheffman played a 3-2, a and at the beginning of the half, they tried to put JFD on the bottom because he obviously is a great player. He's the best chance to convert right. in a 3-2 defense, and he just – was not okay with letting Jaden Levy be the sole ball handler. He went up top, and I feel like that, that hurt their ability to score a lot of points. Right,
0: so, right, so Jaden's the second player on this team. He's really a much smaller guy. He played really good. And, he, yes, good I job. think he plays good, but I think the fit on this team is definitely questionable. They're a very small team because um, J.M.D. and Jaden, Jaden's obviously a point guard. He's a much smaller player, and he's pretty agile. He can shoot the ball really well, but J.M.D., we obviously know he's really a I actually shooter. think. But at the same time, you have two guards on this team, and sometimes in senior leagues, you're playing with two guys, a 14 year old and a 15 year old who are really perimeter shooters. The shot creation on this team sometimes could struggle to get down.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually think that Rabbi and Sheffman's team was smarter than them today, but they just got out out physical. You know, Avi Pellet, Chuck, uh, Ethan Levine. Yeah, we'll get to that too. They're, they're all, I, they're all. I, I mean, Avi's not not really small, but they're all you know guard size, and they really out-rebounded Danny Knapp and Ben Summer and just took the ball and pushed it. And it was definitely a bit of a wake-up call
0: yeah, to, uh, I would agree with that. to JFD or Mixed Team. Yeah, so let's move on to the rankings to Noodle's team, who is 1 and 2. They are number 5 in our rankings. So this team is an inter- really interesting and a very intriguing team because you have Noodle, who's the biggest player in the league. I mean, height-wise, he's probably similar to Glasser in the 6-2 Six one, six two range. Um. But he's really a physical, physical player inside. And this year he has had the very unexpected development every sweet mid-range game um, in the game last year. He, he really he hit some step back mid-range jump shots right over the defender. And that's really an element of this game that we haven't seen before. And I'm not even sure that Corbin did when he drafted him, that noodle came to camp this summer with a mid-range jumper, which really adds a different element to his game. Um, today, Hoppy had 13 points, so this team's getting contributions from all over the place. Yeah, and that,
1: that's that's good to see, especially because last game against Evan, or I guess two games ago by now, Noodle it really seemed like Noodle was doing it all.
0: Yeah, but this but game...
1: Hoppy, obviously, really did step up today, and I think that's important. And they got the victory. They, uh, yeah, they got
0: their first win of the season. And I think that the hopes are high for this team because, obviously, you have Hoppy, you have Isaac, and Noodle's the star of this team. And it's definitely going to be an interesting team to watch because they have size that most teams just flat out. I mean, Noodles just flat out so big, you know. He's really tough to stop to get those rebounds oh, yeah, over it's... him. And when you guys have guys like Hoppy, guys like Isaac, shooting the ball from the outside, it's definitely an interesting team to watch. I'm not sure the offense, I mean, in the half-court set, the offense really struggled. You need to start relying on guys who maybe are not the most proven per se, but I think defensively and on the glass, this is one of the stronger teams in the league. So they'll be an interesting one to keep our eyes on.
1: Yeah, um, you know, going next now to uh, Eli's team and our Goldstein's team, and there was a controversial trade. They yeah. shipped away um, Ruben, and who else did they ship away?
0: Um. So the trade was essentially. They, Ruben and uh, Justin Rubin and Jason Greenberg were traded for Jacob Greenberger, um, which was a very controversial trade because essentially shipped away were the third, the second, and third best players on Rav's team, and in exchange for that, they got a guy in Jacob Greenberger.
1: Who's a, he's really aggressive, not the best, but he really aggressive player. He's, yeah,
0: so he's a really aggressive player and essentially Max Goldstein, the coach, put the two Greenberger's cousins, Jacob and Eli Greenberger, together on one team. Eli Greenberger is probably now proving himself as the second-best player in this league. He played really um, well today. He played really well once again today, obviously. He was absolutely dominant 14s. Remember, he's only 14 years old, 16s. He played the entire game of the finals. And, you know, we've been over this countless times since the great at Jacob's Cup as well. So he's really a dominant player against great competition, and he really could get to the racket well, even today, he went up against Glatzer. Uh, they lost by six points in that game, but still, he was getting to the rim, hitting his mid range jumper. So he's really a lethal player. And then you add Jacob Greenberger to the mix. They obviously, the cousins, they have the chemistry. Greenberger did a Definitely. great job, I thought, attacking the rim today. And it's really a dynamic combo, that combination there. And then. The players around the JR, really played well today, crashed in the glass. So the depth on this team, I think, is interesting after the trade because you trade away your second and third best players on this team to get a guy Jake Greenberger, who some thought may not even have been much better than the two players they traded away, so it's a two-for-one that the play, the one you're getting returned being significantly better, but I think that Jacob really proved today to all the doubters that he really was worthy of that trade with his great play and losing Glass to six points. Obviously, you never want to lose, but that's definitely considered you know a moral victory. There. Yeah, I
1: I did think it was actually I mean here's a hot take a good trade for Goldstein. Ruben was uh, you know not necessarily working with Eli. Their their play styles. Didn't really mash up together. Jacob, on the other hand, you know, does work with Eli. and I, I think, you know, we'll get back to this when we talk about uh, Rab's team or Dan Dan's team.
0: Who, who, it was a, the other side of the trade.
1: Yeah, yeah which was, uh, I think it was very mutualistic, uh, good trade. I think both teams got what they needed.
0: Yeah, and I think we saw that play out today. Both teams got... Well, Rab's team got the win following the trade, and the Greenbergers put up a great effort against Glasser. So I think that trade was definitely controversial at the time. It was kind of one of those things a lot of people said that Max Goldstein went crazy to try to get the two Greenbergers together and made way of an overpay. But I think that um, he was certainly not feeling the buyer's remorse, even if a lot of other people were questioning that trade. And I think today they showed that, yes, there might not be the best team in the league, but the Greenberg are doing it, and Eli's just such a dominant player, he, when he's hitting his mid-range jump shots just over people, even as lanky and tall as Glatzer was today, he showed he's probably the second best player in this league, which really elevates them to four. And I think that brings us now up to our number three team in the league, which is Rab's team, who now sits at 2-1 on the season. Obviously, their team looks a lot different now than like just a game ago with the addition of Jason Kreeber and Justin Rubin. So now the starting five on this team is easily the deepest starting five in the yeah, league. Yeah, definitely. I the was trip.
1: really impressed with how they played today. Um, against uh, Rabbi and Sheffman's team, there wasn't a huge three-point factor, but obviously... Bad and Ruben and Jason Greenberg. Jason Greenberg hit three threes today. Ruben hit two, yeah. possibly even more. They were very good from behind the arc, and I also thought that defensively they were good too. Jason Greenberg played very good defensively. He even had a very nasty block on, on Miles Samuels. Yeah. But they had four steals, you know, in the game before um, uh, Levine's team even reached the uh, even went beyond the three point line, which is definitely very impressive. So I think they definitely look much much better and they're in a much better spot for this trade. Right,
0: yeah, so I think when we talk about this trade working out for both teams, the Greenbergers together is exactly what Max Goldstein, the coach, envisioned. And then you look at this team, the starting five of this team is so, so deep and talented. Obviously, Grab, he's the second overall pick in the league, as we just heard Danny talk about before. He's had an epic Baco basketball career. He's really a terrific do-it-all kind of player, and that's shown again today. So that's really a great player to have at the top. Then you've got, look at their own second-round pick, Leo Elkins, who's really one of those he really physical players. Yeah, again, really good defensively. He just gets inside, believes his way. He's not the biggest player on the court, but almost like You know, in a Dennis Ramin type way, he's just he might not be the tallest, but he's so physical.
1: He had like six really big points where he just took it from the middle of the paint and just took it in to score. Yeah, and he also gets Uh, the
0: rebounds inside, he finishes at the rim. And then you look at the rest of this team, Justin Rubin, Jason Kreeberg hit their threes today and the role players and then obviously Grant Panzer who exploded. To had the heat check game before threes against Glasser, as we talked about in an earlier podcast, that first game in the season. So we know that he can explode at any moment. So all of a sudden this team looks really dangerous following this trade because they have depth that no other team in the league has. Their fifth man is probably a third or fourth on a lot of other teams. So even if they may not have the singular best talent in the league this team is filthy when you look and if this team hits their shots like they did today all of a sudden we might be talking about a team that can really compete in this league
1: yeah but the question is you know is the trade enough to push them over rabbi and Sheffman, right. who Just really manhandled them two games ago and is this team good enough to get a second victory over Lasser um which they got, I think, first game of the year.
0: But I definitely think it's safe to say. I think it can be debated whether or not Max Goldstein got better with acquiring Jacob Greenberger. There's no doubt in my mind that this team now with Rab at the helm definitely got better from this trade. The depth is just terrific, and I think that works really well around Rab, who can distribute the ball all all over the court.
1: Yeah, um, and I guess that brings us to the next team that we have in our power ranks. Number two team, and this is a, maybe a bit controversial, um, is Evan's Yeah, so I definitely
0: think that um, now that we get a lot of feedback from these podcasts from the outside world, but if we were to get some feedback, I think we would definitely get some um, dislike for our pu- our placement of Glasser's team being second in the league. When you have a player who is so dominant and so significantly better than everyone else in the senior leagues. You would think that he is obviously first, but his team's now two and two, riding a two-game win streak. Um, but I think that there's definitely some cause for concern. They won the game today, against six points against the Greenburgers, um, who it's not as though obviously they're a good team, but they're not the best team in the league. And it was not a game where you know the outcome was you know certain the entire way through. But I mean, it was just a close game down the wire, and I definitely think it's concerning that Glasser you know, he gets to the rim at will. I mean, he was being smothered today. The opposing team played a box in one defense, but I think that doesn't do justice to the amount of attention that was put on Glatzer in this I game. I think teams are, are
1: figuring teams out Glatzer Teams are really figuring
0: more. out Glatzer a lot more. And teams are just flat out saying, anyone else on this team, please shoot the ball. Please try to hurt us. Gabe hit an enormous three today with his Lonzo ball, like, release. Alex Newman, obviously, he's put on this team for his shot. And... He hit one or two today, but at the same time, you know, the shooting on the outside, if it's not going to improve, teams are gonna do more and more of just smothering Glasser. I mean, Glasser, even they're not letting him pull up from three, four, five feet behind the arc because he's so lethal from everywhere. He shoots over people. People have to put their best player face guarding him all the time and time again. And when he goes in the lane three or four people, basically the entire team just collapses on him. And yet, Glatt's are still scoring almost all of the team's points, and he's just dirty inside, which is why we have to put him at number two here on this list. But I think the reason why we can't really put him higher and give him the status of the best team in the league is because the role players simply just yeah, have difficulty you know, this scoring is, inside. This
1: really all depends yeah. on the role players. If you know, Newman, Gabe, Ludgen can make their threes, then they're an unstoppable team. But they're, you know, they're very inconsistent players. I, I know the game against Rabbi and Sheffin's team two weeks ago. You know, Newman and Ludgen had a lot of open looks, made none of them, and then the game against Noodle um, a week later made almost all of them. So right. it, I think that's the reason why they right. get right. we two. Saw the inconsistent. The game.
0: Two games ago, for context, for the audience who might not know, we saw an absolutely dominant 25 point victory. Glassers team, where the team was just flat out firing, and also there's Newman at 15 points in that game. Everyone was hitting shots from all over the floor. It was just a lethal attack, and we saw the full potential of what this team can be. But that being said, seeing that full potential in one out of four games a season simply just isn't good enough. I mean, this team has so much. You know, in the tank, I mean, we you know Glatzer is just so dirty, the inside, I, can't. I mean, I don't think the audience even needs to hear us special about him anymore because he's so dirty. Like, we already talked about just how great he is. But the rest of the team, the question is, can they step up? But if they do, there's no stopping this team and there's no defensive game plan, there's no strategy, there's nothing that anyone can do to stop him. But if the outside players, the other players on this team are not going to be able to hit their shots that it's going to be a long season for this team for of what-ifs, and I think that the rest of the league is adjusting to the defensive game plan, and let's see if Gladstone and his team can bounce back.
1: Yeah, and that brings us to the number one team who beat Evan barely, uh, you know, two weeks ago. That's uh, Rabbi and Sheffman's team. This team is, you know, they essentially have two first-round picks.
0: Yeah, so this team, I think we talked about it before. We saw the inter- interview <coughs> talk a couple weeks ago. This team has... Chuck Buckfar, they have Abby Pellet. this team is just lethal, I mean Chuck has established himself, I would rate him as the third best player, uh, just to plug something later this week we're going to be doing a player rank of every player in senior league's rank, top every to player? bottom almost every player we will be ranking them, so stay tuned for that podcast later this week, but I would say Chuck is probably establishing himself as the third best player, he dropped 18 points again today, and just a another dominant effort as they got the win today. They picked it up again, so now they set at 3-1 and one with the best record in the league. Obviously, they lost that first game of the season to Ben's team where they scored four points in the half, and they just really struggled. And after that, this team is just firing on all cylinders. They're, they just the chemistry is great. Up. The I, chemistry yeah. between Chuck and Avi, I think the first game, it took some ironing out, but now you can too. all of a sudden you, you look at – Ethan Levine, who can really shoot the ball. He can distribute it all over the court. This team has one of the best one-two punches, probably the best one-two punch in the league, with, as you mentioned, probably two first-round caliber players on the team. And then you look at the depth. All of a sudden, this team is really making a name for themselves.
1: Yeah, I think the role players are very good, too. You know, Sammy Zaretz, you know, very physical. I mean, even Turkey, I mean, he's, he's physical. I'm not going to talk about myself. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, Sammy Zarett is, uh, you know... Very physical guy. He knows what he's doing. There's, it's just a lot of chemistry, and these guys know what they're doing. They're lethal shooters, and they come in looking for the kill, looking to put teams away early, and that's exactly what they do. They put teams away early, and then they just play. And they, they're really good. Yeah. But Avi and Chuck and are really Chuck good is, at creating I think shots Chuck themselves. Is the best
0: shooter this league has, obviously, is really small, and I think he's really figured out how to kind of use that. You know, his lack of size to his advantage with his shiftiness inside and he's, his, release, Excellent
1: at creating his, release,
0: his release is so quick, he shoots them all, he really does not need to set his feet, his base, you know, really flexible, he can go from really anywhere on the court, he'll just, you know, dribble up and take a shot from four feet behind the line, like with a screen and I think then that element is something that no team can have and then obviously a team like Gladson we know is the best team in the league. is really the only other player in the league who can just flat out just score the way Chuck can. But then to have a guy like Avi, who's also another great scorer, first round caliber guy, you know, he's a bowler, he can distribute the ball, he's really excellent busy. at driving. Yeah, he can really drive inside because you know Chuck and I think the fit with each other is really what sets this team apart because the other teams in the league they can amass some talent, but the fit between Chuck and Avi is really just clicking because you have Chuck, who's the shooter from the outside, he can create his own shot, and the other team has to face guard him pay all their attention to the outside. And you have a guy like Avi who not only can he shoot, but he's driving inside. is just tremendous, and he gets to the rim, and it's kind of like defense just really doesn't know what to do because you have these two scorers who can score in so many different ways. There was the an instance trains.
1: against, um, I think, Gladys' team where they put they put um, one of the best defenders on Avi in the first half. Avi yeah. was, you know, he played okay. Chuck went off. Then they switched it and they right. put they, they put, 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 put on yeah Chuck they put, put glass on Chuck it. and then Avi and went it's kind off. Of like it, it's like the other team. It's just
0: you really don't know what to do. So I think for that reason we have them as the number one team in our league. Yeah, I, um, yeah. So, I,
1: also, I also think they're uh, they're very good defensively too. I mean, yeah. they held they two to five points. They play a very good. 3-2, and they play a very good man, and they're really good at, at, you know, credit to Rabbi and Chef and the coaches, too, for coming up for game plans to stop um, a lot of these, you know, big um, star players by mostly just doubling them up before the three-point line, pressing them as much as possible, and, you know, trying to trap them but at the expense of leaving other guys up. I, mean, I think it's a, a great strategy for this league, and I think their defense is really, really, you know, not, not the best, but, you know, it is definitely on the better half.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, this league is really moving right now. There's so much action going on. It was a great day of leagues that happened today. All eight teams got in. So, really, it's a really even team. It's really a lot of even teams. There's it's a toss-up now, definitely. League. Yeah, it's definitely a toss-up. I think on the season, it was like, you know, it's Clashers League, and everyone else is kind of just, like, chugging along. But all of a sudden, this league looks open now, and Chuck and Obvious team certainly came out of nowhere to now be – I wouldn't call them the favorite because obviously you are have to give the benefit of the Dr. Glasser with just how... Even, even Rats team, too, But even like Rats team, there's great. a lot, great of, today. lot of contenders though there, so I think it's going to be really crazy the last three and a half weeks of the summer to follow along. So.
1: I mean, we'll be there right with the viewers, I guess. Updates, <laughs> as you
0: mentioned. Later this week, we will be doing a player ranking, so please stay tuned for that one. And thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, as always, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, so many other places. Thank you guys so much to me for listening. Thank you, so much for coming on. There's thank you, Blair yeah, sure. for Please, presence, as always. And I am your host, Betty Walsman. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Baco Sports Report.